So what do you think of the book? Oh, um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I don't think it was good as the last two. <laughs> no, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I'm Yeah. I wasn't sure. It, I was trying to remember the first one quite as closely, but yeah, I think I was like, it's pretty cl- It's definitely not as good as the last one. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. as good as the first one, but it was still fun. So yeah, it was a pretty fun read. Uh, I suppose we should actually do the yeah do introduction. The intro. Yep. Do it all official, like. <laughs> okay. This is Star Wars Eulogy. Join us in remembrance of Star Wars Young Jedi Knights: The Lost Ones. Spencer, and I've read over 180 Star Wars EU books. And I'm Alice, and I have read at least three at this point, so I'm doing good. So, um, do we want to start with a summary of this Uh, book? Sure. I can do that. I have... A bit of preparation. I have a very loose outline of what happens in the book. Sounds good. Cool. So, uh, yeah, our story begins with our good, good young Jedi Knights arriving on Coruscant for a bit of a vacation. Uh, Jason and Jaina are there to spend some time with their parents, Han and Leia, and their younger brother, Anakin, who the book likes to remind us has disturbingly ice blue eyes a lot. Um, While they're there, we meet Jack, who is kind of a childhood friend of theirs, who runs around the city planet of Coruscant, scavenging stuff to sell to get by. Um, He's also friends with Peckham, who is the Trader who brings supplies to the temple on Yavin 4. Uh, we met him in the first book. Um, Jack has something really cool that he wants to show the kids, and he leads him through the city. Uh, they pass through some gang territory, notably the gang called The Lost Ones. I, I mean, that's the title of the book, so I figure the gang isn't going to be that important to the story. And we get to a deadly crevice where there is a hawk bat nest on some like old rusted uh like construction robot construction droid and uh jack knows if he can get some of those eggs they're very rare and hard to get and he will get a lot of money for them and thankfully he has brought a bunch of jedi friends including jason who has animal empathy and is able to agree uh, able to forge a pact with the mama hawk bat that uh if they take just one egg then the baby will be you know living a life of luxury in some fancy zoo somewhere and not growing up on the streets and just one the the, the rest of the eggs will stay and that seems to placate the hawk bat and they make their way back out of the 
underdark city area and um yeah they get accosted by that gang they they pass through the territory of but thankfully uh mama hawkbat says leave my new friends alone and helps drive the gang members off um they meet up with peckham to celebrate peckham has been working at the solar mirror array uh Apparently, Coruscant has giant mirrors at the North and South Pole that redirect sunlight to melt the ice caps a bit and make more of the surface habitable, because there is a limit to how far up you can build before you have to build out again. Uh, But that station is breaking down, and Jack says, hey, maybe I can scavenge you a new uh, computer system unit from this old shuttle we saw. And they say, cool. And then before our kids depart, they say, hey, Jack, you should come to a fancy banquet that our mom is holding for some ambassador. And he seems a little nervous about it, but agrees. And everything's fine. Uh, We have a nice vacation interlude where the kids are at the North Pole riding tauntauns and commenting about how they are surly and smelly. Uh, And before... It's just a neat little scene with the family. Uh, Then the banquet comes with the ambassador from Karnak Alpha, who everyone there is... uh, The description says they're covered in hair. It kind of made me think of Cousin It from the Adams family. Just like long hair and you can't tell what anyone looks like. Um, The banquet overall goes well thanks to Tenel Ka, who knows Karnak Alfin costumes because they're very closely related to the Hapes Consortium, but hides the fact uh, that she knows this because she doesn't want her friends to know that she's a space princess yet. Uh, so she avoids C-3PO doing a faux pas by serving the adult first because Karnak Alfin culture uh, holds children at very high importance, so you serve the youngest child first and then proceed to the adults and uh also uh jack being very nervous and not very much in his scene accidentally starts eating a bouquet that is placed in front of his plate thinking that it is a salad but um leia does her best to cover for him and also starts eating her bouquet but jack feels really embarrassed and he ends up storming off into the night uh we depart from Jack being storming off into the night to let you know that Admiral Akbar is here in a spaceship. He's bringing a bunch of warp drives and turbo laser batteries and everything's fine. So he can just dismiss his escort and let Coruscant security pick up where they leave off. But in that gap, they are attacked by Quarrel. You remember Quarrel? He's piloting <laughs> that weird shuttle that chooses through the hull of ships. Uh, Thankfully, Coral has more of a soul than most stormtroopers and insists on all the re- all the Republic soldiers being ejected through uh, an escape pod so that they survive when they steal the adamant battleship that is carrying all this high-quality military gear. But yeah, that's fun. And then we cut back to Jack just to see him run into Tamith Kai, who says... Uh, I'm kidnapping you because you have force powers. And Jack's like, screw you. But then he gets stunned anyways. So that was 
a very tense scene. Uh, and then immediately after that scene, we get another of a uh, transporter shuttle taking off from Coruscant, crashing into something invisible in the space around Coruscant, and then exploding. So it's a very dramatic night. Not a lot is going well, and our kids wake up to find that Jack's nowhere to be seen. Leia is, seems less than concerned. She says, you know, Jack kind of goes off on his own every once in a while. It'll be fine. I've got three other reports of missing kids in the city. I'm sure that's nothing either. We have very limited resources to do anything in the Republic right now. Uh, the kids say... I don't buy that. We're going to look for him on our own. It, uh, kind of futilely, because they're looking on Coruscant, which is a unbelievably complex planet to look for them. Also, Jek is now on the Shadow Academy and slowly being corrupted to the dark side. And we go between Jek on the Shadow Academy and the kids looking for Jek. Uh... Jaina and Loey agree to help plot all the space debris in Coruscant's orbit to try and prevent more shuttle crashes. And then they also go up to the Mira station with Peckham to try and get it working at least barely functional, since Jack is not there to get the system he said he would get to fix it with. Um, Meanwhile, Jason and Tanel Ka go into the city and stumble upon Jack recruiting the Lost Ones to join the Shadow Academy uh, and end up getting stunned when they try to escape and warn somebody. Uh, using the space junk plotting, they are able to determine where the Shadow Academy is in orbit because it's the only space that does not have a cloud of debris. Uh, and then reconfigures the mirrors on the North Pole to shine sunlight directly on the Shadow Academy, which somehow overpowers the cloaking system that they have. And the Republic fleet managed to get a few shots in on the Academy before it warps to hyperspace. Left behind is a like message capsule and... Jaina very briefly hopes that Jack is hiding inside of it, but instead it is the system he said he would get for Peckham and a message saying, hey, uh, I want you to know I'm not being brainwashed at the Brainwashing Academy. I'm joining this because I want to, and I'm going to make you proud of me by doing a good job at the Brainwash Academy. Uh, yeah, and then they go back to Yavin with Luke, and he's like, Shit's getting dangerous. We got to start doing something. And that's the episode. Yup. And if that plot sounds like it is all over the place, that's because it is. Mm. This does not have quite the solid flowing plot that I think the last couple of books have had. It kinda, yeah. It, it doesn't. If we wanted. <laughs> this is a middle book. This is not- it is a middle book. Um, yeah, to jump into like the dark side of the book, the pacing is just really weird. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. It's both nothing happens and everything happens way too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, like. <laughs> 
the Lost Ones really aren't important to the plot. They show up for two whole scenes and do nothing. Yeah, it felt like... Unlike the previous books where there were plots that got sorted out in the book and the overarching plot that is slowly built upon, this one just like starts four or five plot lines and then leaves them hanging for future books to finish. Yeah. One thing I did notice when I was looking at the book, and I wonder if this is part of the reason why, um, before the book starts, they have a thank you to their ed- editor to thank her for the, her support and enthusiasm for making this entire project possible in the first place and for extending the series to let us tell the whole story. Mm. And I wonder okay. if that happened after the last book got written and they got more time to tell the story they wanted, but they had it plotted as a, you know four book series or whatever and then it got extended out to the six books that this story actually takes place over in the published version Mm -hmm. and that led to something that was originally designed to be a an act in a book or a couple of acts and made that into a whole book yeah i can definitely see that being the issue where they initially had to sketch this out as a much shorter part of the series and then they're like oh now we have more books well we can't have a book drop we need to find a better place to have the books break off and that means we need to fill this out a little bit more and it isn't as coherent or not coherent cohesent i think as the last two books have been yeah it doesn't have as good a flow. And it's worth pointing out, these books are coming out at a breakneck pace. Um, the last Shadow Academy came out in sept- September 1st of 95, and The Lost Ones came out December uh, 1st of 95. Oh, wow. That's really fast. Yeah. Um, and I think the, f- uh, the first one, I think, came out in, like, May. Um, so they're, they're releasing these books at a crazy pace. Um, so I kind of understand why maybe they didn't, if things, the amount of books in the series changed on them rapidly, they didn't exactly Mm -hmm. have a lot of time to go replot it so that they had a coherent arc for this book in addition to the overarching plots but it still makes the book not doesn't quite work as well as the other ones yeah the book clearly suffers for it yeah um there other issues you had with the book you want to talk about um i wasn't uh thrilled with Leia's characterization in this book. That's fair. Yeah, it's it seems a little inconsistent because there are moments where I'm like, yeah, that feels very Leia to me and that makes sense. But then there's other moments where I'm like, uh, is that is that really what what Leia would do? Or are you just like leaning too much into the princess side of Princess Leia? Because when she 
here's the kids are like hanging out with Jack and have invited him to this banquet. She seems very like dismayed that they're spending time with a scavenger who works and who basically fends for himself in the city. But like, uh, she was one of the foremost leaders of the rebellion and has worked with all sorts of unsavory types and even married an unsavory person. So it's kind of like weirdly judgmental of her. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, the weirdest part. I, f- I was kind of, I think maybe what it was trying to st- do was her being upset about him coming to the her important political banquet instead of so much them hanging out with him just being like mm-hmm. I do not have time to train a teenager in proper etiquette who has no idea what that is and you've just made my job a lot harder and I'm trying not to be annoyed with you because you're my kids but also, I am trying to run the entire galaxy, basically. But it it kind of seems like she's just judging Zek in that. Yeah, it, it comes off as very judgmental. I do think the thing where she starts eating her bouquet, too, to try and make him feel more comfortable is very Leia. Yeah. No, that was... The only thing I didn't like about that part was I thought it was a little weird that Han didn't pick up on it immediately. Cause she has, she kicks him under the table to get him to start eating his too. Mm-hmm. Cause he's like, what are you doing Leia? And I'm like, Han Solo of all people probably would, you know, is well aware of the ways that you try and trick people into thinking one thing when you, mm-hmm. instead of what's actually happening. Like, I feel like that was a little odd. But I think that's fair, but I also think Han Solo probably zones out a little during like <laughs> ambassadorial. <laughs> like he, he's very yep. clearly uncomfortable there because he's like in a dress uniform with all the military medals he's been awarded for uh, multiple Death Star runs and all that. Yep. The uh, scene with Admiral Akbar was very random. Yeah. I don't know why we needed that at all. I it think was, you... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was agreeing. It's It was kind of, like, left field. It Like, when it sh- happened, I'm like, okay, this is going to go somewhere. And then it just didn't go somewhere. And I guess it's going to pay off in the next book or the book after that. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Um... There, um, in the parts about, um, the, uh, them getting all those weapons for, uh, the, the second Imperium, I think is what they call the whole yeah grouping. Uh, we find out who runs the second Imperium. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, um, somehow Palpatine has returned. <laughs> Somehow Palpatine has returned. <laughs> oh god. Completely Why unrelated to the other time <laughs> that Palpatine had clones that they they mentioned mm-hmm. offhandedly. Like 
Yeah, he had he had a clone that tried to take over the galaxy before, but this is different. But the, it's definitely Palpatine. And I'm not going to look into wh- how Palpatine is still alive. I just trust in the fact that he is. Brackus is such an idiot. He's, he's clearly <laughs> thinking like, yes, Palpatine somehow survived the second Death Star. I know that. But then he was killed. And then all of his clones were killed. But this is Palpatine. I'm sure of it. Yeah, we only speak through holograms. But I'm positive. This is Palpy. Yo. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> this book also had some um, moments that were very much felt like references. Well, were references to other EU books that I'm guessing came out around the same time. Um, like that, uh, the orbital mirrors, um, yeah, that comes from one of the X-Wing books. Oh, uh, cool. Because they use it as part of their, uh, um, way that they get Coruscant from the Imperials. Um, they use the mirrors as part of their plan to shut down the system's that are mm-hmm. putting an orbital shield around Coruscant that lets the Republic attack Coruscant and take over. So, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's something I found really confusing is they kept talking about the core systems as if they were very far away, but Coruscant is in the core systems. Yeah, I that was that was odd. I I didn't quite follow that. Like, oh, the Second Imperium is all the way in the core systems. You mean our neighborhood? Like, yeah. Yavin, the Jedi Temple is way away from here. <laughs> but we're on Coruscant now. We don't know anything about these people. They're from the core. I, it was really weird. I had to look up a map of the galaxy to be like, did they move Coruscant? <laughs> yeah. I guess technically, um, is I think, and this is really silly if this is what it is. Um, is Corazon technically in the because there's the deep core versus the core worlds according to Wikipedia, and I'm wondering if Corazon is. Mm. technically um, part of the deep core. Which okay, be... according to this Legends map, Coruscant is in the core, but not the deep core. Okay. Then I don't really know what in the world they mean. Yeah. It's, yeah, I I don't, didn't really follow that part. It was odd. Um... Do you have anything else that was a negative about this book that you wanted to talk about? Um, let's see. Some of the heterosexuality was kind of heavy-handed. Well, but it was the mid '90s, so I'm not that bummed about it. So the thing is, it was so heavy-handed that it read to me as characters having compulsory heterosexuality. <laughs> That they were feeling they needed to fill the role of, but didn't mm. actually have any feelings about. 
Because, like, Jaina talks about how she supposes that Zek would be handsome if he wasn't covered in grime. Well, you're one to talk there, Jaina. Well, and she literally says that right (laughs) after. And I'm like, yeah. so what you're saying is you think, you, you look at him and you go, oh, he is a conventionally attractive man, but I don't find him attractive. Mm-hmm. That must be because of the grime. Mm. And I'm like, no, Jaina, you just don't find him attractive, but you feel like you should. Yeah. We do have... I was more thinking of um, when Jason and Tanelka are lo- oh. looking through the city together, and Jason is like very... Uh, fixated on uh, making Tenel feel something like, oh, I want to make her laugh. Oh, I want to save her. Oh, I want her to save me. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Did I uh, cut out for you? I think maybe uh, it seemed like it maybe cut off there. Uh, Can okay. you say that again? Yeah, it's just uh, when Jason and Tenel Ka were exploring together, uh, Jason keeps thinking about like how much he wants to make Tenelka laugh or how much he wants to like protect her and make her feel safe and or how much he wants her to protect him and make him feel safe which are all very valid feelings to have but it was just it felt very heavy-handed in the book yeah I think especially because we hadn't really gotten that from him as Mm -hmm. much previously like there'd been some hints of it but it we went from very light hints to very heavy hints. And I think if there would have been a, there would have been more even, it would have felt fine, but it did feel weird how much it jumped in level. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, is just kind of a, it's an odd thing about fiction books more than anything. Um, but the way that Zek, uh, is, friends with the children of the chief of state but also is a scavenger who doesn't know where his next meal's coming from and is an orphan but it's just very weird the the class politics let's say mm-hmm. of this impoverished child is friends with some of the richest people on the planet and most powerful people, and yet, I mean, there's, and there's some level of like, oh, that's the way he likes it. But yeah. it's also very clear that, no, he doesn't actually, he likes having the freedom of not being part of society, but he doesn't necessarily appreciate how the hard that makes his life. And it kind of seems like Jason and Jaina kind of invite him to the banquet, because then he'll have a good meal for once. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think we're kind of supposed to take their side, but the fact that Zach is like, yeah, I kind of feel patronized by my friends, and that's why he's willing to accept the brainwashing academy. I, I kind of have to, like, I'm kind of like, I, I, I think you might, I understand where you're coming from. I don't know that Brackus is any better for you, but mm-hmm. I understand why you're upset with them. That's odd. Yeah, the characterization of Jack is pretty interesting. Um, There is, like when he's first introduced, a very RPG 
uh, section where they make it clear that he has the streetwise skill and also he has the lucky feet or whatever. <laughs> Yo. They, they very much call out that he's streetwise where the other kids are not. So, you know, you got to round out the party when you go on an adventure on a city planet. Yo. Um, but no, I think um, Jason and Jaina inviting him to the banquet is totally reasonable because they also invite Loi and Tanelka and they're like, hey, this is a party and we want our friend to be there and we want to spend time with you while we're able to be here on Coruscant. And also, Jack is very well justified in being like, I don't want to be here. I don't fit in here. Uh, the longer I stay here, the more apparent is it is that I am not supposed to be in this part of society. Uh, I don't like the way that everyone else is acting around me. I don't like the clothes that I scrounged up and spent a lot of money on. And now I find out are like decades out of fashion. Uh, I don't like C-3PO. <laughs> Just in general, that's kind of a mood. <laughs> yeah, C-3PO is such a dick to him. Like, C-3PO is always a little bit oblivious, but he's so mm -hmm. mean to Zek. And it's not like he's trying to be no. mean. He just is completely unaware of how Zek, how Jack is feeling. Uh, it oh, I've been saying Jack. It's Zek. Oh. It's ease. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't have another J name. Yeah, no, it's Zek. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you're just pronouncing it differently. But. Uh, but yeah, he's. Well, do we? W I think there are things we did enjoy about this book, though. I feel like we've mm -hmm. been talking enough. Of, I think we've been talking quite a bit about what we dislike, but I do want people to know we did enjoy some of it too. Yeah, um, some of it was really good. Uh, do you have anything that you want to talk about that you like? The light side of the book, I guess, <laughs> kind of what we've been calling it. Um, I think overall, I really liked Zach's characterization. I think. Uh, it's uh, it was really well handled. Yeah, uh, they have this character who is systemically disenfranchised, and how the promise of power and status and purpose that Brachus offers to him is something that would be enticing. Oh yeah, um. I I do really like that. Um, I think uh, trying to figure out how much I want to say here. Um, basically, this um, this series has a couple of different arcs, um, mm -hmm. and the next arc is also a lot about how um, people who are disenfranchised uh, can have uh bad actors use that to make them do be part of uh bad groups and do bad things and i kind of wish it just had a little bit there was a little bit more of our heroes 
trying to help the disenfranchised in that, instead of it only ever being the villains who try and get them out of their situations. Hmm. But that's not necessarily a problem with this book. That's just a more general problem. I think it's fine to have at least this situation where a couple of teenagers don't know how to help their friend when he's disenfranchised. And so someone takes advantage of it. Um, I just have read enough of the Star Wars books that it. I, sometimes I'm like, please stop repeating this cycle. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do think the book makes it like really clear that the New Republic is doing everything it can basically just to tread water. Yeah. Because a lot of the systems that would be in place to really help people were dismantled by the Empire or in the process of the war. So they are really struggling to hold things together and trying to help people where they can, and they just flat out do not have the resources to do it. And that is something that the Second Imperium preys upon. They... Uh, like Brackis talks to Zach and he's like, oh, you don't remember what the Empire was really like. It was, you know, stability and purpose. And there wasn't all this like poverty and suffering. And of course there was poverty and suffering in the Empire. He's lying to you, but he's manipulating you. And that's a very common manipulation tactic of like, hey, if we go back to the way things were, all the problems of today won't be there. Yeah. I, I really liked that, how the the whole scene with Brackis telling Zach all of that. I thought that was really well done. And the, mm-hmm. oh, the past is so much better because he's talking to someone who's young enough that he doesn't remember. He wasn't there. Or he was, yeah, he wouldn't have been, well, yeah. He wouldn't have been there before the fall of, at least, um, the Death Stars. 16 or 18 or something? He's a few years older than the kids. Yeah. Um, Which I think makes him, what, 16? Because I think they're 14. I think so. Around there, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as much as the Jason and Tenelka scene where uh, Jason is being as, like, thinking about protecting Tenelka and everything is weird on that level, I did appreciate how much he did that. He seemed to be wanting to protect her in a way that he also wanted to be protected. And so there was some level of, like, he's interested, but in a way that I still feel like he viewed her as an equal that Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, heterosexual couples, he could, you could have very easily written it where he felt emasculated by Tenelka or, um, oh, she's had to be so tough, but now that I'm here, she doesn't have to be as tough or any, or something like that. And it's much more, Hey, we're both Jedi. We're good at different things. And sometimes you all you need a friend to help you and 
I want to, I would like to be helping you as more than a friend, but not mm-hmm. necessarily, but it still, like, there is that friendship and, like, viewing Tanoka as his equal in there that I was like, that, I still really like that. And that makes me like Jason better than I would otherwise. Yeah. There is, like, a part where, uh, she prevents him from tripping over some rubble while he's trying to force sense out where Zek is. And he's like, oh, thanks for stopping me from tripping. That would have been embarrassing. And Tanel's like, well, I mean, if you hurt your ankle, I'd have to carry you. And I don't see any reason for us to do that right now. We're looking for our friend. And Jason's like, dang, now I kind of wish I had sprained my ankle so that she'd be carrying me. <laughs> yeah. Which is cute. It's oh, oh, overall, yeah. it's cute. It was just like there wasn't even. I think my problem is there wasn't even much of it earlier in the book. It's just that scene is where they crammed all of it in. Yeah, and I think if it was spread out a little more, it would have been less uh, overbearing. Agreed. Um, trying to think other things. I did really like the ran- the scene of the random um, couple who uh, ended up running into Shadow Academy. Oh, yeah. Shuttle Moonfall? Moondash. Yes. Yeah, I they, they were, were a really cute, cute. Yeah. And then it's like, Rip. and they died. <laughs> and then they died. They- these people had three pages. And boy, did they use those three pages. Yeah. Um, did we have anything else on this one? Um, I like uh, that they point out a couple of times that Tamith Kai is walking with a limp because Tanel Ka Im- saw her and immediately shattered her knee in the last book. And that's not yep. something you really heal, or heal from well. So I like that little bit of continuity. Yeah. And that Tanelka just immediately rubs salt in the wound when they run into each other. <laughs> yeah, that was... It tells you so much about Tanelka that she is a 14-year-old talking to a grown woman and is like, I'm just gonna pour salt into the wound that I have made your mm-hmm. life harder. And I'm so glad of that. Yeah, she's very much like, yeah, I kicked your ass last time. What, you want to go again? Come on, let's go. Let's do this. Tanalka has no chill in the best way. Yo. But yeah, I can't really think of much else that I want to talk yeah. about the book in. Yeah, it. this book is just a little more sparse than the last couple of books. Hmm. I think. So it... I don't know that there's as much to talk. Oh, what did you think of uh, little brother Anakin? It was kind of hard to get a read on him. A lot of the scenes where he's there, they are kind of like, and also Anakin was there. But when he does get a little bit of characterization, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Shame that he's probably going to turn evil based on how creepy they keep saying (laughs) his eyes are. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. Um. Because I know the answer to that. Well, <laughs> yeah. That would be a major spoiler. 
it was it's just interesting to see him pop up because he gets his own series later um, where he and his friend get to go on adventures on Yavin 4. Oh, good for them. Yep. The Junior Jedi Knight series. <laughs> which Phenomenal. is not confusing at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> but those books are fun. Well, if mm-hmm. those will be... I'm looking forward to those if we ever get that far. Because uh, um, I think... Are they... I think they're by... Yeah, they're by uh, Rebecca Moesta, um, who is one of the authors of The Young Jedi Knights. It's mm. her and her husband, Kevin J. Anderson, who are writing the books we're reading right now. And then she mm. goes on and writes. He writes a lot of other books. He is a very prolific author. Uh, but uh, looks like... a couple of them are her with another person, Nancy Ann Richardson, who I am not familiar with outside of that. Um, but then mm. she writes the rest of them. Uh, but so they're, they're really fun and they get um, a little uh, chaos gremlin of a Jedi master that helps them out. So that's always fun. That sounds fun. Always love weird little alien Jedi. <laughs> but um, but I'm looking forward to the next book um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with oh yeah the next book in the series lightsabers yes interesting things happen in that book I wonder what's so, going to happen in lightsabers I don't know I hope they learn how to use a blaster uh, who knows they might <laughs> But I, I have a feeling that they might use some other weaponry, at least as well. I do want to say, though, um, just like looking at the books, uh, the the last two books, at least the editions I have, the covers are like very nice paintings and fine. But on the Lost Ones and then on Lightsabers, there are just like eight different textures of holographic <laughs> foil on this cover. Yes. It is very weird. <laughs> yep. I remember that now. I'm I'm reading uh, off some scans because I'm not sure where my copies of these books are at the moment. Um, but I do remember that yeah. now, how they really liked those foil covers on there. They're, they're very interesting uh, covers on these books. I suppose we should actually figure out uh, how... Uh, how we want to bury this book. Oh, yeah, we gotta bury the book before we can go on. <laughs> Lay it to rest. I think I want to say, like, four, maybe five feet deep. Like, there's some yeah. cool ideas in here, but overall, most of this book is just, like, set up for other stuff, and it doesn't really have a lot in and of itself that's really worth scavenging yeah yeah i think zek would just pass over this book if he was looking for treasure amongst the eu yeah i think if he was gonna pull anything out of it i think it's really just zek that's the only thing that this book really introduces that i'm like yeah we'll take zek we'll keep him but everything else is just kind of it's just Mm -hmm. continuing the plot and putting some setup for later books 
So I I think I'd probably go four because there's nothing. It's not like there's anything wrong with the book. It's not poorly written. Mm-hmm. Like the writing's not bad. The there are character arcs. I mean, especially for like Zach has a character arc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know stuff like that. So it's not like it's a bad book. It's just not a very good book. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. And I think that's everything we've got about this book. Um, so I, yeah, that's all I yeah. got. Um, so do we want to do any kind of um, where you can find us, or just end the show? Yeah, um, I've been Alice. You can find me on Twitter at Magical Girl Kira, uh, and I've been Spencer. And you can find me at formerly Kirby on Twitter. Um, May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. Star Wars E-Hoology is hosted by Alice and Spencer. The Expanded Universe, also known as Legends, is an intractable quagmire of credits, but we are pretty sure that all copyrights are reserved by Lucasfilms, which itself is owned by Disney. Our intro music is from Desperation by Scott Buckley. Our outro music is from Remember the Heroes by Jason Shaw. Both are used under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. Please see our show notes for more details. Yeah, um, I honestly can't think of anything else to say, which is probably a good indication of what I feel about the book. (laughs) Sometimes these will be shorter episodes, and that's fine. Hello? Oh dear, did I lose you? Oh, look at all those little keyboard bumps. I gotta get a quieter keyboard. Or at least not use it while I'm recording. Okay, Spencer is typing. Now they're muted. Okay. Oh, I hope the recording is still there. If not, we can figure something out. Hi, Sochi. You still got an hour. I don't know why you're whining. Things Alice does to occupy herself while her co-host is rebooting the computer.